The future is a hefty responsibility and not one that we take lightly. But then taking things lightly has never been what hefty is about. That's why we've created the Hefty Renew program that turns hard to recycle plastics into valuable resources like park benches and building materials. To participate, simply fill up an orange Hefty Renew bag with accepted items, tie it up, and drop it in with your regular recycling. That's it. It's that easy. It's time to rethink recycling with Renew. Particular valued resources may vary by geography. More info available at heftyrenew.com. Thank you for joining us wherever you are. This podcast episode is brought to you by the Old Ways Actual Play Team. This actual play uses the 7th edition Call of Cthulhu tabletop role-playing game rules by Chaos. This actual play is performed by adults and in an adult setting. While we try very hard to stick to language for all ages, listeners should know that this podcast may include mature themes. All content, including names, places, events, companies, and etc. that may bear resemblance to entities living or dead is strictly coincidental. My name is Michael Diamond, and for tonight's game, I will be your keeper. Thank you for joining us again in another episode of the Old Ways Podcast. This is another episode in our prequel series for Horror on the Orient Express. Will this week's investigator please introduce themselves? Hi, my name is Giles Kahn, and I'm going to be playing Simon Llewellyn Griffith, a miner from Appalachia. Uh, he goes by Lou to his friends, Simon to people he doesn't know. Hmm, interesting. So he's arrived back in London after a period of time he spent in Wales, yes? Correct. So can you tell me what he was doing in Wales and why, why he came back? Well, after the war, he went back to West Virginia, and while working in West Virginia, down in the mines, he found that he was beginning to start at sounds, see shadows, and just becoming stressed. And he, he was having flashbacks to being in the war, in the trenches, and the tunnels. And after about a year of this, even though he is a crew chief, his boss called him in and said he either had to straighten himself out or he would be let go. Mm. So he took a leave of absence of a, about a month, being a good worker, being a union member, and this being the only time he's asked for this, they allowed him the full month to sort himself out and to come to terms with the ghosts that have been haunting him. He traveled back over to Europe, first to touch base with other sappers over in Wales that he met during the war, checking on friends. And now he's in London seeing the sights before he decides whether he's heading over to France or to head back home. Um, you have managed to make your way down into the belly of the beast, so to speak. So your approach to London is very much something that anyone could appreciate. When you ride the rail from Wales and come into London, you get to see quite a bit of the industry that has made London. You get to see a lot of the grandiose buildings and also the smog and the soot that still covers this uh, mostly coal-fired country. It isn't lost on Simon his need for true help, true and significant 
assistance dealing with these after echoes of the war. And some of the sappers that you'd met up with in Wales mentioned a, uh, a Dr. McCaskey that was doing work in London with some of the um, some of their own and some of the rest of the uh, British troops dealing with uh, shell shock and dealing with some of the other symptoms of war. And they'd actually given you his address of the hospital he's working at. And they'd encouraged you to go and speak with him. All right. And so this morning, you find yourself in front of a large medical structure uh, just down the way, really, from St. Bart's Hospital. It's a small adjacent building. And walking in their facilities is a, a fairly step-inducing proposition. The floor that these treatments and these tests are being done on uh, is on the fourth floor. So you have quite a few flights to move. But being a man of uh, hearty reputation and condition, the stairs mean little to you. There is a orderly and a nurse that sits at a main station and uh, she greets you with a, a pleasant smile and says, uh, Good morning. Uh, can I help you? Good morning, ma'am. I was referred here by a few of my friends. Um, I have been having some flashbacks from the war, and I was told one of the doctors here could help me best with coming to terms with this, please. Hmm. She uh, gives you a, a bit of a wider smile. I, I understand. There's nothing to be concerned about. We can have one of the doctors here assist you. Could you... Um, she turns a series of forms and a clipboard over to you. Could you just fill a, a bit of this out for us, and I'll... Uh, I'll see if I can get you someone. Yes, ma'am. Thank you, ma'am. The forms aren't very complex. There's maybe 10 to 15 questions at most. Uh, who you are, what your country of origin is, where you served, and branch, that sort of thing, when you served, and then just a few minor in incidental questions. Do you know what... Uh, are, do you have any uh, physical trauma? Are you missing any limbs? That sort of thing. You get through the form, you know, fairly quickly. It's about one page. Uh, the the flip over page on it shows a graph of the or a, a picture of the human body, and it it basically gives you instructions that if you need assistance or if you can't uh, complete the one side of it, you can simply circle the parts of the body that you're you're having trouble with. I do complete it. I am I'm able to read, write, and do my figures. Uh, a few minutes later, you see a. An older gentleman, probably in his mid-fifties. He has a coat on, proper stethoscope, and comes out from one of the offices. He steps over to you and, uh, here, let me, uh, let me take you, uh, take you back. I'll, I'll take the clipboard, son. Thank you, sir. Where, uh, where did you serve? He walks you back uh, a long hallway. I came over with the Yanks in 17. Hmm. So, what seems to be the trouble? I, I don't sleep well. I see shadows. I hear things. And I hear people dying. I wake up. I, I don't hear these when I'm awake, but 
Yes, I served in the trenches and also in the tunnels. I was with one of the sapping divisions with the engineers. Oh, I see. Please, he he doesn't take you into a private room so much as he takes you into a, a very wide, it looks like a hospital, a ward. You see a lot of beds. You see a lot of beds separated by white curtains. It looks like a trauma or an ex-trauma unit, basically. I'm uh, Dr. McCaskey. I, uh, he flips through the papers. I've actually done quite a bit of study under um, Charles Myers. Years ago, he published a study on something called shell shock. Many of our, well, many of our boys who came home over the years had this same malignancy. And uh, much like he, I did not believe that it was a weakness of the spirit or heart. I believe it is simply a, a trauma of the mind. He begins giving you a basically a very rough physical, nothing too in-depth, but he's testing your uh, eye accuracy and he's listening to your lungs. Now, uh, when you say you hear voices, do they say anything specific? Well, sometimes. Now, for a little background for you, Doc, uh, I went home and uh, I'm an American, as you see from the home, and (laughs) I was working in the mines, which being one of the reasons why I was sent over as a sapper, that's where I see shadows sometimes, or I hear things running, or voices, like soldiers, or screaming, but it's just the other miners there. Now, my granny would say this this could be, you know, them knockers, but I don't believe in that. Well. I believe it's better to be safe than sorry. And I always make sure that you appease them, but, you know, I'm not sleeping well. I'm still saying things like flashes. Not and shapes, but no nothing distinct. Well, it's no doubt, uh, Mr. Griffin, you, you definitely need some level of assistance. We will do our best to go through these processes with you and find some type of corrective measure. Now, if you'll just hold tight there, I will uh, I will see what I can do to remand your case. Do you have um, time and, and space within London here? Have you made other arrangements for travel? Not as of yet, sir. I have a few weeks before I'm required back. Hmm. All right. Well, um, if you'd like, he brings out... Uh, what looks like a, a pad of prescription uh, paper. It might be possible for me to cable your uh, business or your place of employment and speak with them specifically on uh, our need to have you here uh, as, per purposes of medical uh, study. Thousands of boys who came back from the war have got these same similar ailments. And uh, you seem a fair and uh, rational individual. You can see just over his shoulder that there are there are people recovering still from the wounds of a war that was um, a decade ago for those here in England. And they are still suffering. Some of the men that sleep on these hospital gurneys have semi-permanent uh, affixed facial features. Their eyes are open far wider than they should be. 
Uh, you see some are likely psychiatric patients who are simply dulled by uh, medicine to keep them calm. Doc? Mm. Now, about how long would you think this would take? I think uh, the study itself would probably run its course in perhaps a fortnight or a few weeks. Okay. A few weeks I can do. Um, one thing I was wondering, an idea of mine was maybe to head over to the to France and see where I, I was. Well, it is a, a sound theory. My concern would be, from a medical perspective, is if you were to reintroduce yourself into the environment where you experienced the trauma uh, without, a, without proper guidance, would you run into difficulties? And if you did, who might be able to bring you out of them? Can you give me that guidance, Doc, in that three weeks? I may be able to, yes. If you're a willing student, I am an apt teacher. I'd be happy to try it out, sir. The boys up in uh, Wales, you know, that I served with, did say that you were good at what you did. I've served many of the people of Wales in my time, but no matter. Um, let me make arrangements for you. We'll start immediately, and... Perhaps in a few weeks, if you see our course has corrected you a bit, then um, perhaps you can move on to France and do a bit deeper work. Thank you. So the doctor, Dr. McCaskey, does his best to work with you over a period intensively of two weeks. You go through a battery of tests. Uh, they evoke um, certain reactions out of you. And you learn really that you go, you have to go through these periods of reliving certain scenes from the war and then understanding that there was very little in certain circumstances you could have done to change your presence. And so they land you somewhere between understanding that part of the voice, part of the reasons you hear voices uh, in certain circumstances, because you feel guilty about not being able to either affect a situation to save someone or you feel guilty um, that guilty in, in not working fast enough or to not correct what had happened before something terrible uh, happened to someone else. So there is guilt, uh, quite a bit of guilt associated with it. Um, and then the other thing they work with you too is dealing with anger. And they have found that many people who return from war are irrationally angry. And they're angry at different moments of the day or week. Uh, and they, they do their best to level you out a bit over the, uh, this intensive two-week period. Um, I wouldn't say it is a foolproof, um, uh, but they do give you some coping mechanisms. Or something that we would call here present day as coping mechanisms. You do get in a kind of a finality, you do get a sense that the doctor here is working very hard to make sure that patients are not seen as runaways or cowards. Uh, it's co very common within the community of post-war post vets for those who suffer from ailments to be considered weak of heart or someone who doesn't have the the strength of purpose to continue as a, as a man. There's a lot of that balled up into these conditions. 
it's one day nearing the end of your two-week term that through the hospital hallway you see a familiar face Um, you see someone you served under and that person is major charles pierce major pierce uh, at least at the time was someone who served from the u.s uh, and he was a commanding officer in, in charge of several different divisions of troops. You know from a bit of what you'd heard after the war that he went into he went into study after the war and basically never came back. He just kind of swore off the military life. He resigned his commission. He radically changed who he was. And you haven't seen him probably in, oh, seven or eight years but he's walking through the hospital with Dr. McCaskey. Dr. McCaskey. The doctor turns. Oh, yes, uh, sign. Major? Griffith. That can't be you. It is, uh, how are you, Major? He comes over. He, you know, shakes your hand and gives you a good pat on the shoulder. I'd never thought you'd make it back here. I I needed to come to terms with what I had to do. And how are you coming to terms with it? It's hard. No one could deny you that. It is hard. I'm astonished to see you here. I'm glad to see that Dr. McCaskey is... Hopefully he's working well with you? I I believe so. We're going to see how everything goes. Um, We're talking that I may head over to France and see where we were stationed. Hmm. Come to terms with it. Sounds like a wonderful idea. Um... Dr. He, uh, Pierce turns to Dr. McCaskey. Could you give uh, Griffin and I just a minute? I'd like to catch up. You see the doctor excuse himself, and Pierce uh, sits down at the chair near the bedside. Oh, I would have never thought to have seen you here. It's, uh, it's something unbelievable. I'm glad to see that... Uh, you got home and got on okay? Everything's fine in the back home? Well, it's, it's mostly fine, yeah. I'm over here because it's been hard going back to work and keeping focused after everything. So that's why I'm here trying to settle things and sort myself out. You know, truth be told, I had some very similar issues that I had to deal with. I... I lost the taste for all of it afterwards. I I couldn't possibly bring myself to continue buttoning up the uniform and thinking about all of the people that have been lost. So I threw myself into study, and I ended up doing a fair bit of learning and then a fair bit of teaching. I mean, I'd, I'd had been degreed before I left for the war, but um, this is something different. I've actually gotten into business over here, just a bit. I've decided that if we're going to be educated by the past, perhaps we should do our part and dig it up a bit. He uh, reaches into his suit coat and takes out a card. He hands it to you. I read the card. The card says, uh, Dr. Charles Pierce. You had no idea he was a doctor. You must have gotten it post-war. And then it says, uh, Aventus. It's a, uh, well, it's a bit of an import and export company. 
we work on going into some of those same areas and and places across the world and doing studies and uh, archaeological digs. So what do you mean by import, export, and archaeology? Well, uh, my some of my experience, at least during the war, had to deal with the excavations of sorts, and so I've simply repurposed that into the buying and selling of artifacts. Okay. Now, uh, by no means it is, is, is it as glorious as wearing the uniform of the United States military, but it is quite a bit safer than being shot at. <laughs> Getting shot at wasn't the worst, uh, you know that. It's all the boys I had to lead and all the boys I had to kill. Yes, he, he seems to darken a bit thinking about it. I must admit, I have done quite a bit to try to forget some of those times. The reports that command received about numbers were very difficult to deal with. And some of those letters were very difficult to write. But that is now in the past for me. I hope that you'll have the opportunity to put it in the past for you. We'll see how it all goes. I hope so. If you're, if you have a day before you decide to finish things up here, or before the doctor there is is finished with his battery of tests, I hope that you'll um, stop by the office. We're not too far from here, actually, just down the Thames bit, and um, I have some things I could show you that you might uh, be quite interested in. I'll be happy to, Major. It's just doctor now. I've traded one title for the other. But Charles is fine. We're we're not uh, controlled by titles anymore. He stands up. Well, thank you very much, Pierce. You're welcome. Take care of yourself. And do come see me before you uh, head back. Uh, I'd like the opportunity to change your mind. I'll do that, sir. Pierce uh, nods and puts his hat on and steps back out and uh, heads down the hallway. The rest of your time with Dr. McCaskey is... Um, it's very fortuitous. Um, the past... The, the end of those last two or three days, you really feel like you make some breakthroughs. You think you still probably need to, at some point, visit some of the old battlefields, or maybe talk to some of the locals, get a sense of... Just to maybe make sure that the area has survived what happened to it. You think it might be good for you. As you leave the Institute there, you have to wonder what comes next for you. The question is, is do you plan on taking up Dr. Pierce's offer? Well, I'm definitely going to look at the card, flip it over a couple times in my hand, me memorize the address, and then I'm just going to start walking over there. Yeah, so... The location of Aventus is just on the other side of the river. So you'll have to cross and go near Waterloo Station. Uh, it's not too difficult to find. Um, there are a myriad of ways that you can get there via transportation. So you could take the underground, you could take the rail, or you could walk. Uh, there's quite a bit of foot traffic in London during this time. 
In January in London in 1925 is a little rainy, uh, but it's not nearly as cold as uh, some of the newspapers that you were reading before you left. Evidently, you left and New York got walloped by an enormous snowstorm. New Yorkers don't know how to deal with snow. Let them be in the mountains. <laughs> uh, the office of Aventus looks relatively humble. Uh, it's tucked into a uh, series of businesses that are down near Waterloo Station. You can see that there's a company letterhead and uh, a relatively, I wouldn't say small, but it's compact as far as an office goes. And you kind of remember a bit, having been to Europe, that the buildings are just simply not as large as they are in the States. A lot less space. But the door handle turns freely, and uh, you're greeted by a secretary who uh, uh, happily greets you when you come in. Oh, good Good morning. Can I help you? Morning, ma'am. Um, Dr. Charles Pierce asked me to drop on by, and he wanted to show me his work. Oh, <laughs> uh, you sound like you're from the States. I am, ma'am. Well, uh, you can put your hat there, and then uh, I'll reach out to Dr. Pierce. Thank you very much, ma'am. She um, stands up and begins moving down down a back hallway. Uh, Just in the foyer area here, this sitting area, you can see that there are uh, art pieces, both statuary and wall hangings here from a myriad of countries. You see things from Southeast Asia... You see items from what look like Central America. Uh, and then the piece, the piece that dominates the room is a uh, what looks like a, a Peloponnesian statue. Um, you're not sure specifically where, but you can tell from some of the uh, pictures that you probably have seen in stuff like National Geographic, uh, just from the swirls and the that have been carved in the stonework. This, uh, this stone alone probably weighs two or 300 pounds. It's a big floor piece. A few moments later... Dr. Pierce arrives. Ah, Simon, please come in. He ushers you back. You can see uh, in the hallway here, you can see that there is a a little area, almost like a canteen area for people to have tea or coffee or something like that. And you can see that there are a few uh, cargo containers, like actually wood containers here that are uh, crates that have been uh, recently opened. There's hay and straw and stuff like that in them to keep whatever baubles are safe. His office is just at the end of the hall. It doesn't seem like there's more than two or three offices here and uh, and a dock door, which you can see is down the uh, right-hand side of the hallway. He goes and sits behind his desk, and you see uh, all manner of different things here in his office. You see pictures from the war. Hey, you know that place. Like You see uh, different landscape pictures that have been taken. Oh, sit. Please sit. He uh, offers you a cigarette. I, I don't smoke, sir, but thank you. Uh, I would take a seat. Flicks his uh, lighter and takes a deep breath. I uh, haven't been able to put him down since the war. It's not good smoking in mine, sir. <laughs> I can only imagine. Well, uh, everything suit you well with uh, Dr. McCaskey there? Yes, sir. Um... Yes. 
I think things will hopefully start getting better, sir. Good. I have to ask you something, but I need to make sure that... Well, I need to make sure that I can trust you. I could trust you during the war, and as long as that person has not uh, strayed too far from the character that I knew back then, uh, just tell me so. I'm still the same person, sir. What do you need? He stands up and shuts the office door. It has come to... It has come to my attention that there are... That there is an element here in London that we need to be concerned about. He kind of pushes aside some of the papers and and a, a folder on his desk. And you feel and hear him change. He speaks to you not as Dr. Pierce, but you hear Major again. I took a telegram recently from the State Department. They know that I still operate in this area, and they reached out to me. Evidently, there is a British professor here that they are looking into. They thought that uh, since I had a role in some of my learning here around the uh, British Museum and some of the colleges here that I might have uh, better luck, but I haven't been able to get particularly close to this person. He's difficult. They're asking me to do a bit of reconnaissance on him and find out more about what he's up to. He takes a picture out of the Manevel envelope and you see an older gentleman with a big walrus mustache and and uh, he's dressed fairly nicely, but it looks almost a bit... Um, the fashion is maybe about 10 to 15 years old. This man here, he flips the picture over towards your side of the desk. This is Dr. Julius Smith. Uh, he's a researcher. He is a PhD in several different subjects, not to mention uh, he's known to... Uh, do excavation work all over Europe. State is concerned that he has recovered something recently and it could prove to be dangerous if it falls into the wrong hands. He takes another inhale from his already smoldering cigarette. They've made it clear that they're willing to pay for the item's recovery. And while I would love to strap the jacket on one more time I (laughs) I am not the young man I used to be not even the major that I used to be too involved now I'm too caught up in all of the business matters here what I need is someone I can trust alright sir um do you mind if I ask you a couple of candid questions absolutely are you working for the state department then not not openly understood all right sir and this is for our country absolutely all right it's a concern over what's going on in italy mussolini's got everybody a little worried after his takeover understood sir so you want me to be your eyes and ears and if necessary your hands that's right all right sir I trust you, Major. I would need uh, 
just two things to have this expedited, if you don't mind. Of course. One, um, this is not something that I am quite familiar with, but would, since you are affiliated with the State Department, can you take care of any issues on extending my passport? Oh, done. That's simple. Obvious that something needs to be taken care of. And two, would you mind contacting my employer and my uh, union and make sure I have the extra time off? Of course. Um, now, uh, you'll have to list the name of your employer, but that shouldn't be too difficult for me to take care of. Then I have no problem, sir. Good. What we'll want to do is we'll want to have you at uh, an event coming this weekend. There is a collection. Uh, are you familiar with Maudsley? No, sir. He was a British explorer who has done some pretty extensive work in Central America. He brought back many different Mayan uh, artifacts a few years ago. He is debuting a new piece at the British Museum this weekend, and there's going to be quite a few people there. But most importantly, Professor Julius Smith will be there. I want you to shadow him there and determine if you can use your geological knowledge to strike up a conversation with him. All right, sir. Um, may I request some background information on Dr. Smith? Absolutely. I'll see that it's there. Now, uh, yeah. where are you staying here in London? I'm, I'm assuming it's a reputable place. The boys told me to stay over near the hospital. The landlady is uh, an aunt of one of them. It's all sure. good. I'll make contact with a shop I know, a clothier down the way. If you're going to show up to the Maudsley collection at, uh, at an event, you'll need to be dressed for it. At least dressed how they would expect here in London. Am I supposed to have a cover, sir? I'll provide you with the cover information as well. Um, the idea will be, broad, broadly, is that you would be a uh, geological uh, excavation expert and you're there to uh, inquire as to how the professor, what methods they use in their excavation. I can do that. Smith is quite well known here in London. Um, we believe that something he recovered recently or is in the process of recovering is what states after. I'm able and willing to give you a stipend if necessary. I wouldn't want you to be uh, out of sorts financially. Thank you, sir. All right. Now, um, good man. He taps his uh, cigarette butt out. Make your way back to your... Uh, loft there and I'll send all the pertinent details to you including your cover, some information on Smith and then um, a re-stamping of your passport. Alright sir is there anything I should be familiar on at this exhibition? Are you going to enclose that too or do I need to read a book? <laughs> oh no I'll include some information on the Maudsley collection uh, brief broad brush jokes really but important details, just so that way you're familiar with it. You don't seem out of sorts if someone asks you a question or two. Understood. Get close to the professor. 
befriend him if you can and uh, lean on your ability and your knowledge of excavation and see if maybe you can pique his interest. Where does this... Well, two last questions, sir. Mm. Of course, if it's need to know, you let me know. But Dr. Julius Smith, what is his specialty? Uh, Literary, mostly, and uh, historical. Those are his... uh, those are his largest specialties. Uh, we do know that he has romped around Europe quite a bit, getting into some of the uh, locations in the old world and picking out um, trinkets and baubles. But what my and state's intelligence say is that uh, he's recently come into something quite fantastic. And do you have any idea what this is? or where it might have been acquired. I do not, unfortunately. And that is why I'm hoping that you can get close enough to Smith to have him talk about it. Now, word was that recently he returned from somewhere in northern Greece, I'm not sure. But he returned um, in, in quite a bit of a stir, as if something had happened to his dig team. He may be looking into acquiring a new team to help him recover whatever this thing that state wants is if he picks you for that team or if you can find a way to get onto it that is the track we are looking for i see you want an inside man absolutely and an ability for you to cable back to me here in london about his movements and when the time is right i will send my assistance all right sir thank you very much wonderful he stands up and walks you out to the door. His secretary gives you a pleasant smile and wishes you a good day. Uh, He tells you that he should have all the information over to you um, in a day or so. Well, have a good day, Dr. Pierce. I will do just that. He gives you a final nod. That's that's what I I needed to from you, Mr. Khan. So I look forward to uh, seeing you as we begin our new episodes. Thank you very much.